Hey guys, it's Mark here from ETF Tracker and welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays. This is episode number nine and it's for the week ending the 17th of September. And we are filming this uh, on Thursday evenings. So whatever kind of news stories have happened over the week. And we even include some of the stuff that happened uh, late last week, so that might have missed the cut, um, including Friday. So if there's ever anything like that, and there is today, we're going to check that out. So if you're new here, um, welcome for the first timers. And if you are a uh, subscriber already, either listening to this on Spotify or watching it on YouTube or via our website, um, this is basically something where we read through the newsletter that we put out each Friday morning. So if you want to get on that newsletter, then you've got to make sure that you subscribe to that. That's available at uh, etftracker.com.au. And if you either become a member of the forum, you already uh, get pre-signed up. Uh, if you are not a member uh, of the forum, you can also just go to the bottom of the page at etftracker.com.au and you can sign up. So just fill in your details there and it's all for free. So if you're interested in what's going on in the local and global ETF markets, then hopefully we have uh, something in store for you. All right, so we're gonna get to what is uh, interesting in the news this week. And here we go, here's the newsletter. So let's just zoom in. I do forget to do that sometimes. Uh, I've got the wide screen, so I run this off a, a Mac. Yes, I know I run Windows off a Mac, it's just easier. Um, <laughs> so there's a bit of a you know complexity to my life there that uh, others might be mystified by, but in any case, what happened this week, uh, a really big week for us, um, as are most weeks, because we're always trying to put out something new in the ETF tracker space. And that was that we listed a new holdings app. And that's going to be something that will help people. We were using it internally, uh, but we wanted to just do some more testing and, and analysis there. But now that we've got it out in the wild, uh, it's something that can help people if they're interested in comparing their ETF holdings. So there's like 240, 241, I think now. Uh, ETFs here in Australia, and we analyze about 170 of those with the holdings app. So we've got the holdings of 170 of those, and we can do some cool stuff in terms of comparison. So I'll take you through that. And then the other part is that we've always got the ETF tracker tool on the side. And so that's the one that has the monthly statistics from ASX and ChiX and some other places. And eventually it's all going to be merged into the one tool, but just for now, we keep the holdings analysis separate from the main ETF tracker tool. So that's coming up. Um, this week in local news, uh, we saw that we were provided with this new holdings app that we just mentioned um, to help investors look under the hood. Uh, we saw some details in the news about ATO and tax implications for ETFs and details on advisors getting their clients into ETFs. And then globally, it was further details on record inflows and more updates on Bitcoin type ETFs. So we'll go through that one. So first up in the news is the ETF holdings comparison tool. So we actually created an article uh, to go along with that. And this article also acts like a guide uh, for those that are interested in uh, using this tool. And so on this uh, link, it goes directly to the blog website. And you can see there's a video at the top here, the video we just filmed today. Uh, because we had a comment uh, in one of the forums out there that said, hey, this is great, but I want to know how to use the tool. So rather than just like have something to read about, well, now you can watch it. So this was literally filmed today. And if you have a look, I'm still wearing the same outfit, gym gear, backwards cap. You know, it's my style at the moment in lockdown. Um, there's a bit about the background of why we're doing all of this that we had uh, 
the analysis of, sorry, we, we pulled down the data for six of the major ETF providers here in Australia. And that covers, like I said, the broad range, that's 170. It's like 89% of the passive ETFs. Um, some of the, the ones that are in there are active ETFs, and we cover about 10% of those. The goal is to get to that full coverage, but it is a little bit harder with some. So we just have to build up our knowledge over time. But hopefully, you know, this thing will help you out. There's a link here to the ETF tracker comparison tool. So when you click on that, that takes you straight to the analysis tool. Um, and then there's this other section, which is all about using the app. So first of all, what do you see when you get started there? How do you use things like the filters? What's in the middle? What is this table all about? What's the bar chart that's all uh, that's on the page all about? There's two key sections. There's a section where you can compare ETFs. So you might be having a uh, portfolio where you've got a bunch of ETFs that you already own. And you want to see how comparable they are because you might not know that or you might not have had a chance to look at the underlying holdings. Well, before you would have had to download each of these kind of files from the providers, the ETF providers, and that's great, but um, they, they don't all come in the same kind of format. And so it's not as easy to compare. So we've done a little bit of work to make sure it's easier to compare. There's still some work to go on there, but at least with this, you can click around and you can see things um, in a much more easy to use kind of fashion. This is just for desktop users. So all of the apps that we've got are just for desktop. So just make sure of that. It does not work on the phone. Okay. It's not optimized for that. Uh, the other thing is that we, we look at the, the top 10 holdings. And so uh, we, we cover the whole holdings kind of table, but we also have this bar chart that's on the app that shows what's the impact of just the top 10 holdings. And what you'll find is that some ETFs have a large weighting in just their top 10, whereas others, it's not as much. So that's of interest to some people. Uh, for us, we look at other metrics, not just holdings. There's other metrics of performance and size and inflows and all that kind of stuff. So we look at the holistic kind of picture. And there's even data that we don't track. So there's much more information out there, but hopefully over time, we'll be able to build up a better picture to make it easier for investors. And then the other side of this ETF tracker holdings tool is that you can reverse search. So you might be interested in a certain company like CBA or Kogan or Brainship or whatever the company is um, locally or globally, you can type in their ticker or their name and you can search for which ETFs out of these 170 uh, there is exposure to. So you can use that uh, this app both ways. So yeah, this article is just about the app. Um, there's a bunch of caveats in there because this is not the be all and end all. Nothing that we provide here is you know, financial advice, but even within this kind of tool, uh, there are things that are a bit limiting. Um, we, we think anyway, like it's not fully automated. We don't update it every day. Uh, we do have to do the weekly updates because sometimes when we do the automatic pulling of the, the data from these different providers, sometimes uh, that that process doesn't work as cleanly as we want it. So we have to do some manual intervention there. So we're sticking to a weekly update of that. Um, there are some issues around common tickers. So like if you've got APT, well, we know here in Australia that that's Afterpay, but in America, that is AlphaTech Holdings. And so normalizing all of those, some of the providers, we have the information so that we can split things by country. Others don't provide that. So we just need to, you know, do some work to make it easier to understand whether there is that kind of uh, crossover there. Um, there's a couple of other caveats there. So you just got to make sure that you look through this article alongside the app and hopefully that will help. And like I said, there's a video as well. So I'll play that now. There's a video on the page from ETF Tracker and we're going to show you 
So that was recorded, like I said earlier today. I'll skip ahead and you can see here how I go through the different areas of the app kind of button, but we've got these thematics as well. We've got the six different providers. We've got all of these ETF tickers. So there's 170 as I'm and then moving ahead. I go into the analysis, uh, what's uh, able to be done with uh, the, the tools. So let's just skip to one of those sections here. So in this section, um, I think I've picked a couple of different ETFs to compare. In Earth, um, and there's some other differences there. Some uh, uh, holdings are in one ETF and not another. I was comparing Earth and CLNE. Um, so those are both climate change, kind of clean energy ETFs. There's some similarities there, but not across the entire thing. If you just look at the top tens or top fives that you might have in some other applications or trading tools, you're not going to get that full picture, but we grab all the holdings. So, you know, hopefully we've got a good tool for you and it's free, you know, even better. All right. Um, that's enough for that video. So let's go to the next one here. This is from accountants daily, and this is about the ATO. They issue a warning on shares ETF tax consequences. And it's not often that we'd include an article from the ATO, but this one is a deep dive into something that the ATO is going to be looking for from investors that trade ETFs. And it's more about um, those that are trying to offset capital losses against income. So you can't do that. You can uh, offset it against things to do with trading, but not necessarily your own like personal kind of income. So be mindful of that. So this is uh, Accountants Daily. Um, Fun fact, I was in Accountants Daily a little while ago. We are, you know, into getting into the media over here and it's mostly for ETFs now, but I used to work for a firm called Prosperity. And when I became their head of uh, data analytics in 2019, 2020, um, yeah, they were, they were featured in here. I was featured in here. So that was uh, very interesting. So nice uh, way to come full circle here. Um, so yeah, this is a talk about the tax office. So the assistant commissioner there at the ATO, Tim Lowe, um, spoke about the possible missteps that uh, have become a recurring trend amongst young enthusiastic investors, but warned that his office's data matching capabilities will catch them out. And so, yes, be mindful that you might think that you'll fall under the radar, but data is easy to detect. They're basically going to be able to get the information from all of the different uh, brokers that are being used. And if the info there doesn't, I guess, match up, um, that you haven't declared something, then yeah, you or you haven't declared it in the right way. So just make sure that you do. There's great apps out there like ShareSite, um, or you might have your own accountant that's doing this kind of stuff, or maybe you do it via spreadsheets, for example, if you know what you're doing there. So just make sure that you've you've done your homework and you're, you're doing this the right way because they will be looking into that. Probably because there's a lot more ETF investors in the market. If we look at it, like in 2019, the market was only $50 billion, right? And for it to get to 125 billion, which is the latest count, right? This is uh, August, as the end of August 2021. It's 125 billion across the ASX and Chi-X. It's it's definitely something they want to keep an eye on because uh, yeah, there's much more people that weren't able to go on holidays and travel and spend up on things because we're all locked down. Well, where are we putting our money? And you know, sports betting was a big thing that drove investing in the U.S. and had an impact here as well. So. Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, has driven the the push to invest. So keep an eye out. All right, this other one, uh, speaking of investors, it's from the IFA, Independent Financial Advisor. Advisors flock to ETFs for reduced costs. Now, in this article, they talk with Van Eck, and Van Eck had a smart beta survey. Um, it's quoted there with uh, 547 people from the advice sector and it said that 91 percent of those advisors already use etfs in their client portfolios 
and that's up from 87% last year. So this is the 2021 survey. There's more statistics in this article. So let's see if we can highlight a few of those when this loads. All right, so what they've got here, let's look at some of the stats. So the other one is 74% of respondents increased their allocation to ETFs over the last 12 months. So that's pretty interesting. So they might've had maybe one or two or very small part of their holdings, whatever weight that is, five, 10, they've increased it. Uh, I don't see what the increase has been, but yeah, there, there is talk about this, uh, you know, overall there's been increases there. So that's an important thing. That's probably helping drive the fund in the markets. So the funds under management, assets under management is now 125 billion. Uh, according to Vanek, ETFs allow advisors to have great control of client outcomes alongside boosting transparency and performance. And that's true. I mean, we've got the holdings and the capability to provide tools like that because ETF providers do make that holdings kind of stuff very transparent. So definitely worth looking at. Um, so some of the other stats, they also found that 75% of respondents think that smart beta strategies are going to become more prevalent in portfolios. The reason for that could be that advisors are happy with their performance with 99% of smart beta users satisfied with their strategy. So that's based on the survey that they've got of all these um, people in the advice sector, but it's quite telling. Now, if you're a financial advisor out there, if you're speaking with them uh, and you know you think that they're not interested in ETFs, maybe they should look at this kind of article. Um, ETFs, I think, have a room in every portfolio and even the difference between active and passive ETFs, I think there's room for both does depend on what your goals are. So speak to a financial advisor about that, or if you're doing everything yourself, make sure you do your own homework and research on that one. The last one here is that the report found that 46% of advisors studied were invested in ESG strategies. And that's interesting. I'll see, I'll probably see that rising up and up, uh, whether it's advisors um, having their clients of any age really being interested in something they're seeing in the news. ESG is making the headlines, whether it's the IPCC report and others. So um, yeah, it's definitely interesting to see that one. All right, the next one, again, from Van Eck. So the, uh, Van Eck, we're in that article there. And this one is, the next big thing is never what you expect. And this is a look into innovation and how it's hardly ever been uh, as expected in the past and why we should not be surprised by this. So from Blockbuster to Netflix and other disruptions, this article goes through how Van Eck has seen this play out in two ETFs that they've got. So they've got Qual, a very highly rated quality ETF, highly rated by many that we see in various forums, whether it's Facebook, Reddit, otherwise, um, spoken about on Ausbiz, for example, and also MBA. Okay, so this article is off the Van Eck website. All right, so um, so this one came out, uh, it was actually on Friday last week. So this one didn't make the cut for the last week's uh, newsletter when we did it on Thursday, but anyway, it's here now and we think it's interesting. So they talk about uh, innovation and how this shouldn't be as surprising as some people make it out to be. Forewarning the rise of smart beta was a 2016 scholarly article they talk about here, um, published by the CFA Institute's Financial Advice, Financial Analyst Journal. The asset manager's dilemma, how smart beta is disrupting the investment management industry. And so they describe smart beta as uh, beta, beta, I don't know, up to you. Um, a disruptive financial innovation with the potential to significantly affect the business of traditional active management. And so smart beta is uh, 
interesting because it gets into the different factors that you might use to automatically create an allocation to certain uh, holdings, right? So that might be, and we've seen quality, there's also multi-factor. And so those multi-factors, I mean, I used to work with a firm that would look at quality, value, and uh, momentum. And there's also growth, momentum and growth, quite similar in some ways. Um, but those different factors that are out there, you could run your own kind of portfolio and you might do that kind of statistical analysis, that quantitative analysis to allocate. And whenever you maybe rebalance quarterly or six monthly or whatever it is, you might be using some sort of uh, filtering uh, system there. And Smart Beta is like that. So instead of weighted by market cap, it's going to be weighted by something else. Non-market cap weighted is how they allocate between the different holdings, the different assets that you've got. So Smart Beta definitely is something that is disrupting in Australia. And what they're seeing here is that from this survey, they, they have these different scales that are provided here. So this one is a question on, on a scale of one being not motivating at all to seven, I would invest how motivating would each of these reasons be to start using smart beta? And they've got here things like strong performance, reduced volatility, higher yield and income, uh, improved portfolio diversification. So all of the answers here, the one that had the strongest uh, result was strong performance. So people are interested in using smart beta if there is strong performance there, amongst other things, like nothing here is below a three. Um, which would, or three and a half, which would be halfway. The last one that they've got here is that um, they'd find it compelling to use if strong third-party endorsements of the product or research house ratings of those smart beta products were there. And whether they're saying that because there's just not uh, great tools that they see or research papers that they see in that or they're looking for more, um, maybe we need to build something as well to go along with the, the existing examples that are out there. Um, yeah, they're basically saying that that's not as high in terms of the level of importance. So, so yeah, that's that's definitely interesting there. And they've got a couple of other charts here, such as Qual, which is their quality ETF, and that looks at various quality factors to do the screening of what goes into the holdings and how they as allocate assets there. So what weightings do they attribute to each of those kind of holdings? And in this one, they're looking at Qual versus the Miski World X Australia Index, so that benchmark there. And what they're seeing is that over different periods, it has been outperforming. So one month, it's slightly outperformed 3.9% to 3.1%. Over three months, it's 17 to 12 Six months, it's 31% versus 23 Over a longer period of time, um, there's the uh, per annum returns. And so over five years, it's 19 versus 16 being the benchmark. So it is outperforming there. So definitely worth uh, worth looking at. They also look at MVA as well, which is the Australian property kind of space. So if you're looking at REITs and uh, property type ETFs, the ASX has global and uh, Aussie domestic local type uh, property ETFs for you. There's not as many um, ETFs to kind of choose from, but you know, you've got uh, at least some choices there. So worth a look at. Okay. And then we ran out the local news with what's happened um, from the desk of ETF securities who track the weekly performance and flows. Okay. So what they were saying there, so this is copied straight from them. They said that Chinese equities fared well compared to a few months prior. Some of the best performers over the week were Vanek Vector's China AMC A-Share ETF. So there's the A-Shares, which is the main market there in China. 
Um, so that's CETF. That was up 3.8%. And then the Vanek Vectors China New Economy, CNEW, that was up 3.5%. And so let's take a look at that. And when you click on this article, it takes you to the ETF monitors page. And you can see here all of the previous week's uh, monitors. And if you're interested in last week, so that was for the week ending the 10th, this one comes out every uh, Tuesday. So if you subscribe, you will get this in your inbox. So you can go to ETF securities and uh, download it. So as I said, it was CETF and BBOZ was up there as well. That's a beta shares Australia equities strong bear. So that's a leveraged negative um, ETF. So that's looking for prices to go down. And because the market didn't perform as well um, that week, it returned positive returns for those investors. Okay, so there was also Japan ETF from beta shares. ETF Securities, Ultra Short NASDAQ 100 ETF did well as well. And then on the other side, it was the gold miners that didn't do as well last week, but they've got it for the week. They've got the year to date. They've also got the 12 month returns. They do flows as well. And then there's also the trading volumes. So take a look at that one. Okay. So that rounds out the local news. Let's look at what happened globally. And this first article is something that we have seen a theme of over the last couple of uh, weeks and months. Um, even before, you know, doing this newsletter, we, we'd seen already talk about uh, ETF performance and flows uh, being much bigger in 2021 or looking like they were going to be bigger a few months ago. And they have been. So this one talks about how um, inflows shoot past 2020's full year record total. And this article shows that globally to the end of August 2021, um, it's already seen more money flow into ETFs than in all of 2020. Uh, I've got 2021 there. We'll edit that for the uh, newsletter that goes out. I've still got a bit of time. Um, that's a total of 9.7 trillion now, thanks to the 834 billion coming into the ETF markets this year. Now, Australia's total market is 125 billion, and that's historical, right? So that is all up until now. Um, I don't know what it was, and we can look in ETF Tracker to see what it was for just 2021, but we make up a portion of that. Australia is smaller um, than the ETF market overseas, but you know we are getting up there. And if you think about it, we've got a lot of room to grow as well. We've got not just the intergenerational wealth transfer that is occurring every day, um, as the millennials and Gen Z start getting into the workforce and as um, other generations retire and transfer money down down through the generations that's there but also uh we have and i don't know if many people know this but it's a fact that i've always seen out there which is that australia's superannuation or otherwise overseas known as pension funds that's the fourth biggest in the world and so we are behind canada the us and i think it might be japan uh, in terms of that pension fund kind of money now other countries may may not have that sort of a system, but just the sheer fact that we are the fourth biggest in the world amongst many others that do, it shows that there is a lot of power and size there to uh, affect uh, whether it's the overall markets, but also ETFs. Okay, so let's have a look at this one. Financial Times is always great because they always seem to have like cool charts and um, data points that come along with their articles. So it's worth looking at. So last year, the total year uh, of uh, 2020, 762 billion, 762.8, so 7.63. And worldwide this year to the end of August, it was 834.2. So that's well past and we've still got four months to go. So we'll see what happens in September, October, November, December, right? 
The chart that they've got here is showing the flows, so total flows each year. So going back to 2008, the global flows was uh, probably closer to 300, um, above 250 there. It got bigger. We had a bumpy year a couple of years ago. 2020 was the biggest on record as coronavirus hit. And we mentioned at the start reasons for people trying to get into investment, put their money elsewhere, put it to work to do something when you can't do anything with it. Everyone's saving and there's probably still a lot of money that's been saved that's not in the market. So there's still potential there. But yeah, 2021 has exceeded those records and is going to shoot up. So how much further will it go? Here in Australia, we're talking about getting to $140 billion by the end of the year. We are on pace for that. So we had about $5 billion of FUM growth just in the month of August. So if we continue that, you know, being at 125, we can go over that 140, but it needs to keep up that steam. And so there's a couple of other mentions in this. They talk about um, the two points. Uh, so Capital Group, which oversees assets of 2.6 trillion, that announced last month that it intended to launch six actively managed ETFs by the end of March. And so the other thing that's driving this kind of ETF growth is globally, not just here in Australia, but globally, there's more of these mutual funds and funds that were not listed turning into ETFs. Or there's even funds that are listed like an LIC fund. There was an LIC fund from uh, Monash and that turned into an ETF because despite performance being quite strong, I think they were like nearly 10% per annum performance, which is great. But the flows were just not there because ETFs are just becoming that much more popular type of product. There's many LIC and LIT investors, there's many investors in REITs, many investors in um, ASX has something else called M Fund, and there's other exchange traded products in that suite. But ETFs are just growing and growing in terms of popularity. So um, yeah, there's more of those kind of conversions and all of this is conflating into this uh, this hot spring of uh, investing in ETFs. And so that's the first article. The next one is from Yahoo Finance. So this is a very short article and we you know, caveat that here. So don't expect you know war and peace with this one. Um, but basically it talks about a new SEC filing shows that the innovative ARK Invest is going to launch an ETF with exposure to the Canadian Bitcoin ETFs that are already out in the market. If you've been following along, the SEC is still yet to approve a Bitcoin ETF over there. Here in Australia, it's uh, ASIC is our equivalent and they put a consultation paper out and that consultation paper is them going out to market and um, trying to see what the market's got to say about the pros and cons of uh, having an ETF here that has Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in it. And there's already a few providers and hopefully we'll get one on the show soon that uh, are looking to do or looking to create that Australian first or one of the first kind of Bitcoin or crypto ETFs here in Australia. Overseas, what has happened in the news lately is that um, future Bitcoin futures that... Um, sorry, ETFs that track Bitcoin futures have been seen as maybe uh, a bit more positively in terms of what is likely to be uh, approved by the SEC. And there is talk that I've seen in the last couple of weeks being that, well, if it's so easy for investors to get into Bitcoin, you can, you know, Coinbase, Binance and all that kind of stuff. If it's so easy to uh, trade and invest in that, why would there even be a need for a Bitcoin type ETF. And I think the, the reason that you would need it is because institutions, if it's a superannuation firm 
or anyone that's in investing, for example, insurance firms, if they're investing that, that pool of money that they've got, it becomes easier for institutions to get in and buy via a Bitcoin ETF rather than go directly and have custody of, you know, have to take care of all the keys and all that kind of encryption that's needed for Bitcoin. So rather than buy it directly, if that's what they want to go down and do, it becomes much easier with Bitcoin. And a Bitcoin type ETF becomes much easier when you've actually got um, a Bitcoin futures type product out there. So if there's a Bitcoin futures ETF that can help offset volatility, that's gonna help uh, provide something where you can have a a stable kind of Bitcoin um, and, you know, stable in the world of Bitcoin is very volatile for equities and other kind of instruments, but yeah, definitely worth a look. So that's what this one here is all about from Yahoo Finance. I should have clicked on the article while I was talking, but that's okay. We pretty much explained it. Um, but yeah, this is just a short story, a couple of links here. Um, they're looking at this SEC filing that is to do with the ARK Invest. So you can read the SEC filing there if you wish. Okay, so take a look at that one. And the last one in the global news, so just a short set of global news ones this week is from the Financial Times again. And this one is entitled Crypto ETF Assets Treble as Investors Take Risks. And so the bulk of the 9 trillion exchange traded funds industry consists of plain vanilla index trackers. They're right. Uh, focused on mainstream assets, but a couple of much higher risk variants are now growing rapidly, albeit from a low base. And yeah, that's right. So that's the thing with statistics. You know, you might see something saying like, oh, it's grown 50%. Cool. It went from six to nine, you know, like, and everything else is in the hundreds or whatever. So just be careful when you see anything in the news to do with statistics and growth, that you're looking at like both the percentage growth and also the base. And the other one is prior year, you know, negative prior year effects, like something might be down um, and negative. It might have lost 50% of its value or its price or whatever it is. And the next year they go, oh, great, it's it's gained 50%. But if you've lost 50% and adding another 50%, you don't get back to 100, you know, do the math there. So something worth looking at. All right. Um, so they're talking about here that total assets in uh, these funds are cryptocurrency ETFs, that is. Uh, tripled from 3 billion at the end of last year. So here's an example, right? It's in the ETF and the global kind of fund space that is small. Um, 3 billion at the end of last year to 9 billion as of June. So it has tripled, but it is still, you know, at that very nascent kind of new stage. So worth looking at there. Um, okay, so there's some more statistics here. They talk about a consortium of mainstream fund managers, including BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, Charles Schwab, Fidelity Investments, and Invesco, which control more than 90% of the US ETF market. They started the campaign, uh, campaign uh, talking about leveraged and inverse products. They want them stripped of their ETF designation. And the reason for that is uh, the inherent risks that are involved in leveraged ETFs. And I think we put something out in one of the previous um, ETF uh, week in reviews for Exchange Rated Fridays, which was all about, uh, and if we haven't, we will um, put that up soon, but all about leveraged ETFs and why you need to be careful when you do get into leveraged. Um, some people talk about the commonly heard thing with you know uh, leveraged type ETFs is to not hold those for a long period. And so whether it's Investopedia or some of these other things that you can just Google, make sure you look into what it is that you're holding there with ETFs. But yeah, if 
these guys uh, like BlackRock, State Street, etc., the the big boys in the ETF uh, issuer space, if they're talking about you know wanting to be careful around that, then it is pretty serious there. Okay. So yeah, this is a good article. Um, I don't think you need to be signed up to the Financial Times to take a look at this article, but if you do, I mean, I've not got a subscription actively anymore. We, we do have the AFR and we do have Bloomberg subscriptions that we pay for, but with the FT, some of the articles are free. So you can definitely take a look at that one there. Okay, videos. Uh, this week is one that we start off with ETF Tracker again. And the reason for that was because we were on Ausbiz on Friday. So this didn't make it into last week's newsletter, but we did mention that we were gonna go on the show later that day. And we were on at 1.30. Uh, we spoke with uh, the guys there at Ausbiz, so with Andrew, talking about the growth for the month. So each month we talk about what are interesting kind of statistics, what's happened in the market. So we did a market update, but we also got into something on the new holdings app that we just created where we dived into ESG holdings. So let's take a look at that one. Now, if you're not so signed up for Ausbiz, it is free to sign up and they've added some improvements. So now it is easier to search. It is easier to track and follow. They've got this for you page where you can see directly here uh, how to get into, you know, the, the topics that you care about. So um, here's me talking with uh, Andrew and I think there's a couple of charts up here as well push prices down, but ETF buyers into emerging markets and Asian um, ETFs film from this very seat right here. <laughs> um, and we, we do have a couple of charts as well. Has been global property, but the thing that we need to think about there is that that's only got two ETFs in it. So it might so I was talking about what has performed well year to date so far. So we took a look at that. And then this table that's here, this table is dividing into uh, local and global ESG ETFs. And I'll just expand this and you can listen. So we can see how similar they are. We don't cover all the holdings, but we've got the majority of them. So what we were able to see is that there's a couple of ESG ETFs that are quite similar, even though they're from different issuers. And there's, um... So yeah, this one is uh, basically from the what we did with Ausbiz and taking a look under the hood, because now that we were about to release this tool, we thought we should look at some ETFs and what we showed was that if you're investing in ESG, they're not necessarily all the same under the hood. Some of them have very similar holdings, uh, the passive tracking ones, because they'll look at the, the ratings agencies, whether it's MISCI, FTSE or these others, and they'll incorporate what the ratings agencies have say into their process. And that's why you might have some of these, or they, the benchmark that they track might have some of these similar kind of names uh, Apple, Microsoft, um, Home Depot, Tesla, all that kind of stuff. They might be similar across the board there with some slight differences, but not all ESG, just because it's got ESG on the label, it might actually underneath the hood have some things that you didn't uh, know about. And so it's important to look under the hood. We have those apps that you can you know, use and, and get help with. And so it was the market update for August and it was also this look under the hood. But if we go to the For You page, you can see what's in your your list of things that are provided that are tagged with the things that you're interested in. So for us, it's certain um, things like ESG and ETFs, and it's uh, certain contributors like Andrew Veland, um, myself, uh, I'll watch that, Nick Bishop as well from Bishop Fang. And so you can tag different companies, you can tag different experts, 
and you can tag different topics. And so I've probably got to do some more to this to, you know, tag some more things that I'm interested in. But it is a really great innovation and it's for free. This is a great source of local news about the local and global markets. And, you know, here's, here's something new right now. So this is live. Okay. So every day they got something out there. So check it out. All right. So the other one was uh, from last week, I thought was interesting, was uh, Priscilla Luke from S&P Down Jones. She joined Ausbiz to digest the results of the 2021 mid-year SPIVA Australia report. And that is the uh, statistics that are often cited um, when it's comparing active versus passive management. So take a look at that one. This week we had, uh, we'll start off with a compound. And so that's one of our favorite shows. Uh, this week they had Liana Harkins um, and Tom Lydon. Tom runs ETF Trends or ETF Database. So if you're looking at this kind of data already, you would have already seen these kinds of um, apps out there. So ETF Database has a lot of great information there. And then there's ETF Trends, which is more of a news thing from those guys. But Tom Lydon runs that and they talk about all ETFs in this show. So the compound usually talks about global news. Sometimes there's a bit of Bitcoin. They talk about financial advice, how to get into the markets, how they started working in there. But this one was all about ETF. So, you know, really perked up our ears. So 41 minute show. Um, so, you know, you can tune into that maybe while you're doing the washing or the dishes or cooking or whatever it is, right? Um, very ETF centric. So they spoke about um, the size of ETF uh, holdings as well. So like the top 10% of NASDAQ, and that's why we have the top 10 tables with us. Um, people might know that the NASDAQ 100, the top 10% of that makes up 50% of the whole fund. So they talk about that, what else has been driving growth? Um, so where 2021 growth has been over there in the US, Vanguard and iShares are the biggest in terms of flows. So definitely one to look at. Um, apart from my show, of course, to look at for uh, ETF news. And the other ones here from Ausbiz. So this one was with Kanish from ETF Securities on why adding an ETF to your portfolio is a golden idea. And from that uh, headline, it is talking about gold, but they also talk about some other things that have happened in the market and using gold as a hedge. Well, you don't have to buy physical gold. You can get gold via ETFs. And then this other one was with uh, Alistair Mills from BetaShares and he broke down uh, the numbers for the $125 billion worth of fund that's in the market as at the end of August. So he was on a couple of days ago um, from the newest Magellan active fund listing to other products. What else came into the market that month? And so definitely worth a look at too. So, you know, we, we like the numbers and anyone else that's doing the numbers out there, like it's important that investors see this because you need to be data-driven with what you're looking at. Um, I mean, you could go and get really lucky, but uh, yeah, I'd rather be data-driven with the things that I invest in. Okay, the last one here from Ausbiz is investing in the Swiss army knife of decarbonization. And this one is from the 13th of September. Jamie Hanna from Van Eck goes through the clean energy funds and the lowdown in the race to carbon zero emissions. They also go through the type of companies that are part of clean energy ETFs and how they're performing. So definitely worth a look at. They've got a clean energy ETF called Clean, C-L-N-E. And then in the podcast space, this was an interesting one. Um, so Shani and Mark over there that run the Morningstar podcast, um, they have this one called, uh, they have this topic that they dived into for ETFs and it's two part. So the first one came out last Sunday 
the other ones coming out this weekend. So part two, definitely take a look at that. And it was their 50th episode. So congratulations to them. Um, well done on getting to that stage. Uh, so it's great to hear them talking about, it's a favorite topic of ours. Um, they chat about the types of questions that listeners oppose to them. Like the un, like looking at the underlying holdings of an ETF, and you know we've spoken about that quite a lot this week. They also talk about the risk and rewards across ETFs, and they pick six to go through based on their analyst ratings, and they talk about that in the show. It's a good thirty minutes, so check that out. The link that I've got here takes you directly to Spotify, and so you can see what's in that show, and you can see previous shows that they've got. So that's called Investing Compass. Okay, so worth a look at. Thank you, Morningstar. And the next one is another favorite of mine, ETF Edge from CNBC. And in this one, they explore direct indexing. And uh, it's CNBC's Bob Bassani, who's the main guy on the show. And he talks with Patrick O'Shaughnessy of O'Shaughnessy Asset Management, as well as Dave Nadig from uh, ETF Trends. Okay, so he's the director of research there and works with Tom that we mentioned above. And they discussed the new investing strategy known as direct investing. It's a way to get custom portfolios. It's something big with, uh, within the US and it's growing over there and we'll see that innovation coming here as well. It's typically been something that's been with uh, the high net wealth um, because there was an affordability kind of thing with it. So it wasn't as readily available to retail investors, but we can see that changing. So definitely worth a look at. And then the last one in terms of the podcast was Equity Mates. And so the fellas over there were talking with a couple of people in the semiconductor space. So the talk was uh, an expert talk, are semiconductors the picks and shovels play for the tech industry? And that name, the picks and shovels, uh, it's referring to way back in the day during the era of the gold rush, whether here in Australia or even overseas in the California gold rush over there, say in the US, um, there were people that made a lot of money, not from necessarily going out and taking a risk on a claim that you would have to buy and then digging for the gold and maybe you get some, maybe you don't, um, but making money off selling the picks and shovels to those that are doing that mining. I mean, mining right now, people probably think of Bitcoin mining. And so there are companies that make money off selling um, the equivalent of picks and shovels to them. And so this is a talk about that kind of stuff. Um, they talk with Patrick Penfield. He's a professor of supply chain practice at Syracuse University. So great to get that guy on the show. Uh, sorry, the Whitman School of Management as part of Syracuse University. But they also chat with, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, they also chat with Kanish Chug from ETF Securities who just launched the SEMI ETF. So that's a semiconductor ETF that's out there in the market that you can trade. It had $5 million worth of inflows on its first day. So that was amazing. You know, that is the biggest impassive um, investing in Australia, um, first day history. So worth a look at. The tweet of the week is from, uh, this is a US sector and industry ETF performance from Track Insight. Um, so this tweet here, we've got the link. You can take a look at that. Um, so let me just close my teams. Just so you don't get, I usually close down Teams and Outlook and, you know, WhatsApp, web and anything that's going to come up with those noises. Uh, sorry about that, but I thought I closed it. How does it not? Okay. I think we need to quit. Okay. Technical difficulties here. It's not the first time. It certainly won't be the last. Um, so this one here is from Track Inside. If we go to this tweet, 
what they've got is an animation and we are all about the cool funky kind of animations there. Uh, I think we've got to actually click into this article that they've got. Come on. Okay, so this goes directly to Track Insight. Oh, that is a shame. I think they might've had it on LinkedIn. Okay, so look, we don't have that there. I think on LinkedIn, there is the uh, the animation there, but if you've ever seen it, it is the racing bar chart type thing. I don't think there's any other links in that tweet. They should have put the link in the tweet, I think, right? Um, no, no dig at them, but yeah, I would have certainly like listed it. They've got really cool stuff, you know, their tool. It's, it's not something that ETF tracker, I think, will ever kind of get to because we're providing this kind of stuff for free. So there's limited capacity of what's there, but um, they've got a lot of amazing information and it is listed in ETF trackers uh, resources. So we've got a list of resources and that is apps and data sets. And in terms of the apps, there's um, the ETF database, there's Track Insight, there's um, some other ones that are out there as well. Lensel has something called Diversiview, which you can use to look at your portfolio. Um, there's even Google Sheets type stuff there as well. So we just listed one this week. So, you know, take a look at that from Planet Finance. Um, but this one here basically was showing the different sectors in the US ETF market and how they had grown over time. And when you see the racing bar charts, the days and dates will pass over time and you can see the bar charts pass by each other and start to grow and grow and grow. So worth a look at. Um, we'll throw it into the newsletter because we've still got time for that, but I don't think we have time to find it in this recording. Uh, and then the charts, I say charts because it's not a chart of the week. But we actually decided to do two charts because uh, from the compound show, so listed above, we saw two charts in there that were quite interesting. And the first one is showing the dominance of Vanguard and iShares and not just the dominance, but just how much Vanguard flows in 2021 have outpaced even the record it's set in 2020. And so, and the iShares record of 2017. Um, so, what we can see here is that in previous years, the different bars represent years. So this first group is all of iShares. The next group is all of Vanguard, then State Street, Invesco, et cetera. And that's the US markets there. It's that dominant kind of two or three big players there. Um, Vanguard's flows so far, because we're not finished with 2021, but so far in 2021, it's outpaced not just its growth last year, but even the all-time growth and iShares saw that in uh, 2017. So. 2021 is the year of ETFs, it seems, but who knows, maybe 2022 and further years are going to be more. Okay. And then the next one, because we said charts of the week is from the show again, but this one is created by Dave Nadig that was on the, um, in one of the uh, podcasts above. Uh, he showed that the projected trend of ETF versus mutual fund growth um, what that looks like going out into the future. And the expectation is that uh, it'll see ETFs take over mutual funds in around 2026, 2027. It could be faster than that. It might be slower, but at the pace of current growth. So we are here, smack bang in the middle. Um, this projection goes out to 2030. So we're just at 2021. And we're still behind in terms of uh, mutual fund assets, but um, ETF assets are growing, it looks like at that exponential kind of rate, still early, but we'll see. I think there's still room for growth, definitely, both overseas, uh, US, globally, and here in Australia. All right, to the ETF education space. And so if you look at each of these previous articles, videos, we always list something in terms of the ETF education space. I think we might've missed one week, I don't know why. Um, 
But in this one, it is from eInvest. And so they're a provider of active ETFs. And we'll have someone from the show uh, in the interviews with experts shows that come out each Wednesday. So we'll have someone from the show coming up, special guests. So keep an eye out for that in a couple of weeks. Uh, in this one, it is from their website on ETF education. I know I spelled education wrong, but we'll fix that. Um, it is how to invest in ETFs. And when you click on that article, they've got this whole section which runs through some different things if you're just looking to get started. Now, eInvest is a provider of active ETFs, but just because they provide active ETFs, what they've got here in terms of this manual, this, these materials, it is something that works for any type of ETF investing. So it's worth a look at. Look at the different ways that you can buy it, online broker, traditional, or your financial advisor, how to invest in ETFs, ETFs versus mutual funds, and the distinction there, how to buy that. You know, you open a trading account, some things to consider, the different types of ETFs, passive and active, and other ETF options. What are the main benefits of investing in an ETF? And what are the main risks involved with investing in an ETF and some final thoughts? So it's a good, nice little uh, way to look at this can be your ready reckoner if you're thinking about, you know, getting into this or if you're, if you've got friends that are interested in ETFs and they don't know how to get started, well, you can send them to articles like this. So it's great that these ETF issues provide this sort of material. So definitely worth a look at. And then um, we now put all of the ETF tracker resources at the bottom. We kind of had them dispersed throughout the page before, but now if you are in the newsletter uh, or if you're watching uh, on YouTube, listening on Spotify and elsewhere, now we've got all the ETF tracker resources at the bottom. And you know we've been building this out over time and who knows where it's gonna be by the end of the year. But currently we've got the ETF tracker apps. There are two apps at this stage and two pages of these apps. And so they're desktop apps. So you do have to be on a computer or laptop or PC or whatever uh, to look at these. Uh, we don't have a mobile app yet. It has been asked for, but we're gonna need, you know, some further funding for that. This is more of like my passion project. So, you know, it's, it's not something we're gonna do just yet. I'm not gonna go out there and learn how to build a mobile app. But if anyone is out there and wants to help out, uh, build the ETF space here in Australia and educate the market, come knocking, it's marketetftracker.com.au or leave a message on um, the YouTube page or reach out to us. Okay, so right now we've got the main ETF tracker app, okay, and that's the one for the monthly statistics that come out. And there's also this other page which started off as different holdings apps. And so the holdings analysis tools are here. The main ETF tracker app is here. And so it just takes a little bit to load on the page. It's Power BI that we use. We do a little bit of data science kind of data manipulation in the background with Python um, and loading the data from different data sources online. And then we, we turn that into an application that is interactive and that you can use. And one of the things that we did recently was instead of when you click expand, it opens up a separate page. Now it just goes full screen, as you can see. And there's the three options here where you can look at the market overview of what's the latest that happened um, in the month. And that's for August. ETF analytics and ETF snapshots. And this ETF snapshots is proving a little bit popular recently because it is a new feature and it allows people to pick any ETF from the ticker symbols that they've got. And you can see what some of the key metrics are here for those ETFs, okay? And then the other one, as we mentioned, is the holdings tools. And we just had a look at that before. So there's the different tools on the page here for different providers and there's the one overall comparison tool for the 170 ETFs that we cover. All right, so that's tools. And then we've also got the forum and there's more people that are joining the forum. Thank you very much for doing that. 
If you've got questions, make sure that you ask it in one of the forum sections. Don't worry about, you know, putting it into the wrong kind of area. I'll just move it um, when it needs to be, if it's, you know, in general discussion, but it needs to be in the portfolio analysis kind of tool area, we can move that. Uh, but yeah, definitely join the forum. And if you sign up for the forum first, you will automatically get signed up to be a subscriber. So you'll get the newsletter in your inbox. So make sure you put your email in there. All right. The other one is the podcast and videos. And so you're probably listening to this on YouTube or Spotify. So there's just links here for the newsletter users if they don't already see that. And then you can also use this from, or you can also view this from the ETF tracker page. So you might not have Spotify, for example, or you only listen via Apple Podcasts and we're still working that out. Um, there's things that we need to do in terms of like, we need an Apple device basically to sign up. Um, and activate our Apple ID and then the podcast can go up there. So I don't have any Apple that I use actively. Like I said, I've got the iMac here, but I use Windows on it because most of the apps I need are Windows, but I like the iMac for its size. So anyway, uh, enough of that. But yeah, we'll get it out on um, those different podcast uh, places. But for now, if you don't have any of those, you can go to the ETF Tracker podcast page and you can access it for free there. Okay. And finally, you can watch us on Ausbiz. So I know we went through the Ausbiz one up above, but we're not always in, you know, on Ausbiz. It's it's each month whenever there is a market update that's of note. Um, but if you missed the, the previous newsletters, you might not have seen that we have our own experts page. So as I was showing there, you can follow along. Uh, if you see something in a video that you like, they do have these meta tags at the bottom and you can go directly to that and... So for example, if we type in my name, um, you can see the people here. And if you aren't already following, you have to click on that follow button. So they make it really nice and easy. And I think the tool is just that what Ausbiz are providing is just continuing to improve and uh, be great for investors. So definitely worth checking out. And then we're on the socials. So if you're on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter, um, haven't done as much TikTok stuff lately. I've been too tired from other things, but we've definitely been putting out some things on Instagram, uh, trying to do some more things on Twitter uh, and yeah, TikTok and LinkedIn, as well as uh, the other social media things out there. So check it out. Um, it might be easier to see some of that stuff there, but that's it. That's pretty much the week in review. So if there was anything else that you guys are interested in, um, please feel free to reach out. We are always open to uh, any suggestions or requests. And yeah, we look forward to seeing what's in the news next week. So I'm Mark. This is the ETF Tracker Show, Exchange Traded Fridays, Episode 9. And have a great weekend. Please do like, share and subscribe.